0: I really just feel like for some reason some for some people in this room i don't know if it's you i don't know if it's everybody but i feel like god is trying to reintroduce himself tonight i feel like so much of the time we can get a concept of god by the way that we grew up by the way we've experienced life and i think that god wants to have a reintroduction with you tonight where it's almost like it's the first time you've ever met him and i hope that that's your experience tonight because i think if we live lives like that where we can continue to see god as this all-consuming lover of our souls, who wants every piece and every part of our life and wants good things for us, if we can actually believe that, our lives start to look a little bit differently. We start to live with a little bit more joy, a little bit more light. And I don't know about you guys, like lately it's felt kind of heavy. And it's, it's, it's felt hard, you know? It's been dark. I got tired of sitting looking at Jamal for seven months in quarantine, you know? <laughs> you <too. laughs> I guess there are worse things to look at, you know, but it's okay. So, if you don't know, my name is Blake. This is Mosaic off campus. This is our first time. Yeah, come on, come on. This is our first time that we're actually off campus. It's a, a whole new concept because normally Mosaic doesn't meet on campus, so it's we could just call it Mosaic, but then it's confusing. Anyway, Mosaic off campus is what we're going with this semester. But I'm excited. New place, new new whole situation. Normally we meet in Kenny Auditorium. Now we're in downtown Nacogdoches. It it feels so crazy to me. I'm actually born and raised from Nacogdoches, Texas, so this is my hometown. Yeah, come on, Nacrats in the room, let's go, baby. Give it up for the nasty Nac. Come on. Sometimes I feel bad for myself, but other times I like really love this city. So, <laughs> man, but I don't know if you know this or not. But the way that I like to describe myself, you might find this funny, but it's also kind of true of what you can expect from what this night's going to be. I like to what I call myself, I am what I like to call myself a back preacher, okay? And what I mean by that is that if you really get to feeling what I'm saying, it might be a funny thing, it might be a serious thing. You have the, all of the permission for me right now to say, oh, that's good. Oh, he preaching. Oh, he preaching, preaching. Oh, he in your business. Oh, why is he in my business? Go ahead go ahead and preach that word then. Stand up, clap your hands, stomp your feet, shake your head if you want to. If that's how you feel, that's what's going to happen in here. Because we believe that church isn't stiff. It's a place that you can come as you are, and it can be fun, man. I believe that, that the life with Jesus is the funnest life that there is to have. So why should church be something that's boring, right? Yeah, can we give up for that? Man, I... I love it. I love getting to do this, man. This is the honor of my life to get to preach God's word. And so I'm excited about tonight. Uh, I hope that you're excited. I hope that you're enjoying the person that you're sitting next to, because right now it's too late for you to move. And now some of you know what's happening. Others have no idea. But right now in this moment, I need you to look at your neighbor. I need you to say neighbor. I don't know if it's this mask or if it's your eyes. But you looking summertime fine. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, now, okay, okay. Okay, settle down now because there is something that just happened. You chose somebody, okay? Whether or not you know, you chose somebody and someone else is offended. So, right now, I need you to look at your other neighbor, your second option, the neighbor that you rejected. And I need you to, I need you to uh, social distance, wave at that neighbor and say, neighbor, I'm going to be honest. You weren't my first option. And I'm going to keep it hundred percent real. This is a little bit awkward now. But with that mask on, you out here in these streets looking like a Power Ranger. Some of y'all needed that in your spirit tonight just to be deposited. I don't know if y'all were one of these kids, but I was one of those kids that was like, I'm the white Power Ranger, I'm Tommy, I'm out here kicking folks. That was me, that was me. I need that kind of spirit in the room tonight, okay? Is that that y'all agree with that? I love it, I'm excited. Don't kick anybody right now, though. not another time, do that later as you leave. Man, I'm excited about being here. We're in a new series. Every semester we start a series. Last semester we were in this series called Make or Break. Who remembers Make or Break? Make or or Break was our relationship series that got cut short. So just know I got ammo in my back pocket, okay? I might come for for some throats tonight, but I I hope that doesn't happen. But it's in there. So Make or Break might make a comeback. But this semester, we are in a new series, and each semester, I kind of take the time in the summer or in the, in the winter, depending on the semester, and I take this time, and I'm, I'm praying, I'm asking God, God, what do you want me to preach about this year? Because I'm going to be honest, a lot of the times, I have no clue. I have no idea. I'm like, okay, week of, what am I going to talk about? I have no idea. It just gets deposited along the way, I guess. But this semester was different. This semester, uh, I knew early on, in about January. Uh, about, uh, June, about June, which is normally not normal for me. i got my months mixed up because it feels like it's just been one huge amount of time and not like separate. I don't know if y'all feel that way, but I feel that way. Um, but it's about June, it hit me, and it was just this one word. And normally, I kind of have a sentence or two, and I'm kind of like trying to work, find the word out, but it was just the word. No sentence, no nothing. And it was just, just one singular word. It was is this word light. And I don't know if you know about this word light, but actually, the way that you spell it is L-I-G-H-T, but it only... It has two meanings. Essentially. There's, there's light, like these lights that are on me and there's light, like how much this weighs it's light. Right. Um, and because of that, I really believe that God wants to speak into the situation of, of kind of just the inner, inner workings of our souls right now in our, in our lives. Because I I think the current and present state of our world is one where the anxiety is heavy. Depression is at its biggest thing. Mental health is crazy. Like people are like, I don't even know how to deal with these emotions and things inside of me. And it feels like it's just too much sometimes. And I don't know about you, but for me, a lot of the times I'm just waiting for that light at the end of the tunnel from a hard season. I don't know if for you it's been that, but I'm, I'm praying that this semester, that this, this series will be one that helps feel like you can walk a little bit lighter. Because I believe that God is a God who wants to breathe life and light back into people's lives. I believe that's, that's 100% his, that's his aim. That's the only thing he wants to do. And if we're open and we're willing, God can start to, to do that work. His word says, Jesus, in one of the gospels, he says that, come to me all who, who are heavy laden and are are burned and are worn out in life and come to me and i'll give you rest take my yoke upon you for my yoke is easy and my burden is light and so i'm believing that as we step into this and as we try to just receive a word in faith and just believe that god can do something maybe our our, our that, that weight on our shoulders might feel a little bit lighter and that's my hope for us tonight but tonight if you have a bible we're going to jump right into this word. I might just preach from the front all the way to the maps in the back. I'm really feeling like preaching like that tonight because it's been seven months. Y'all about to get, we about to be here until three in the morning. I hope y'all ready. Some of y'all are like, oh my God, can I leave? <laughs> but if you have a Bible, we are going to be in the book of John. The book of John is in the New Testament. If you don't know what that is, that's cool. It's going to be on the screen, but specifically we're going to be in John chapter 9. John chapter 9, starting in verse 1, we're going to read verses 1, 1 through 11, right? So, John 9, 1 through 11. If you're there, say, I'm there. there. If you're not there, you're still trying to get there, say, "Hold hold up. All right, I'll give you a second. I'm thirsty anyway. In Jesus' name. Okay, time's up. You're either there or you're not. John chapter nine, verse one, it says, as he was passing by Jesus, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples questioned him, rabbi, who sinned this man or his parents that he was born blind. Neither this man nor his parents sinned." Jesus answered. This came about so that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must do the works of, of him who sent me while it is day for night is coming when no one can do work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. After he said these things, he spit on the ground, made some mud from the saliva, and spread the mud on his eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam, which means scent. So he left, washed, and he came back seeing. His neighbors and those who formerly had seen him as a beggar said, isn't this the man who sat begging? Some said, he is the one. No, others were saying, but he looks like him. But he kept saying, I am the one. Therefore they asked him, then how were your eyes opened? And he answered the man called Jesus made mud and he spread it on my eyes and told me, go to Siloam and wash. So when I went and I washed, I received my sight. You know, I want to work from the title tonight, work your weight, touch your neighbor and say, work your weight say it like you mean it. Work your weight. Girl, you better work your weight. I need that kind of energy from y'all tonight. Work your weight. So a few years back, it, it feels like a few, but it's actually quite a few. Um, my sister, when she graduated from high school, she had one request. She had one wish in the whole world. My parents were like, hey, you graduate high school like we want to bless you like what do you want to do? And the only thing that she said and she knew I was in agreement, she wanted to go to Disney World. Woo-hoo! And if you know anything about me, I mess with Disney heavy. Like like y'all don't get it. <laughs> y'all really don't get it. Like I mess with Disney heavy. So heavy. I wish y'all would test me with Lion King quotes. I got all of them in my bag right now. I could pull them out, but it would make no sense. But I'm like, I got the movies memorized. Like I've seen all of them. I'm a nineties kid. Like that was my childhood. Okay. And so I was down. I was like, yeah, mom and dad, I'm ready to go to Disney. I had a backpack that day. And they're like, we're going to go at a time when it's not as busy. And I was like, okay, great. That's awesome. You know, let's do it. I'm down. I'm 23. Okay. I'm 23 years old and I'm going to Disney. Like I'm seven Like I'm telling you, when we stepped into Disney, I was acting a fool. Like you don't get it. Like you really don't understand. Okay? I I walked up in Disney and I'm like, I see I see Goofy run. I was like, Goofy, what's good, bro? What's up? What's up, homie? How you doing? I miss you, dog. How you been? How's Max doing? If you know, you know. Is he still with Roxanne? I'm trying to figure it out. What's up? because if he ain't, I mean, (laughs) oh my gosh. No, but like I was pretty chill for the most part until one thing happened. It was the moment that I saw Minnie Mouse and I don't know about you, but Minnie Mouse has has a special place in my heart. And so, you know, as it happens, she usually rolls around with Mickey and Mickey's cool and all, but like, when I saw Minnie, I was like, watch out, cuz. Let me, I said, hold on, bro. Let me get a picture of my girl. I got a picture with Minnie, and don't even get me started on my girl, Daisy. Ooh. So, okay, sorry, sorry, sorry. On the story, right? So I'm at Disney, and I'm hyped. Like, I'm embarrassing my parents. Like, they, they are like, oh, my God, what is wrong with our son? He is too excited. Like, I'm, like, waking up super early, like, let's go. Let's go to Disney. I'm ready. Let's do this. Like, I want to do all the things. I want the Mickey ears, but, like, my, the way my head is set up, like, they don't make them that big, but... Uh, but we're in there. We're at Disney. And I i don't know if you know this about Disney, but Disney actually is made up of a few different parks. You know what I mean? There's a few different ones. There's one that's like for animals, which is like cool, but like it's all outside and it's too hot. And the way me and Jimmy are set up, like we're too big for that. Like we're not, we're, we're not trying to sweat like that. Okay. Then there's other ones. that's like a water park and I'm like, ah, it's it's, it's wintertime, kind of, kind of winterish. No, we're good. But there's this one Uh, it's called the magic kingdom. It's the big one. It's the one with other things. It's the, it's the, it's the, you know, the, the, the typical Disney thing, but at magic kingdom, there is this one ride called space mountain. And I don't, I don't know if you know this or not, but I'm a, I'm like a person that rides rides. Like y'all don't hear me. When I went to six flags, I rode the Batman and Mr. Freeze 25 times. All I did was bing, 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 back and forth the whole time, the whole time no shame. People are like, Blake, we want to ride the Titan. I'm like, go find me right here. I'm going to be right here. These are my rides. I'm riding them. So when we get, when we get to space mountain, the way, okay. And also you should know this, you should know this. Okay. If you ever take your kids to Disney one day when you have children, or if you yourself, if when you turn 23 and you decide you want to go to Disney, just know this. Disney is not like they pr- present it in the commercials at all. Not even a little bit. And what do I mean by that? What I mean is, is that Disney is more packed than if seven Justin Bieber's were in this room right now. Okay, you literally everyone and their mom and their grandma and people from all over the place with cameras are there. And I'm like, hold on, bro. This is my time at Disney. This is my Disney trip. Y'all are tripping. Y'all had no reason to run this deep. Like y'all had no reason to roll this deep at Disney, okay? You're wrong, sir. Please move. So I'm, I'm at Disney and I'm like trying to get my mom and dad. I'm like, my sister to like, yo, come on, let's get it to the ride. Like I'm trying to beat the, beat the lines. And so we get to space mountain and I don't know if you, if you've experienced a long wait in a, in a line, but they are something serious. And so I'm, I'm sitting, you know, I'm taking in the time, you know, I'm at the place where dreams come true. Like I'm at Disney. Okay. This is a whole thing. Like I, I already got a picture with with uh, Mickey Mouse, Minnie Mouse, and Jasmine from Aladdin winked at me on the way out there. Like she was a real person, though. So anyway, <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm sorry. I'm just doing that for the giggles. It uh, actually didn't happen. It did happen, but uh, we're... So we're in line for Space Mountain, okay? And the way that this line is set up is that there are there are two lines. There's like the normal person line and then there's this other line, okay? And I'm in the normal person line, like a normal person with my family and I'm like kicked back, like chilling on a rail, like, oh, okay, this is fun. And I was chilling. I had, I had all this good energy going, like had, had that cool Disney Florida breeze coming. I was feeling good. I was feeling real good. I was talking to my mom and dad, seeing how their day was going. I was excited about breakfast, like all this stuff. But then something happened this other line started having people in it. And I don't know if you know what this line is, but it's the fast line. (laughs) Look now, I'm cool with the whole fast line deal. I'm cool. Okay, okay, cool. But I had an issue when I saw this one little boy. Why did I have an issue, you ask, with this one little boy? This boy had, had to be 10, maybe, maybe 10 just tall enough to ride the ride. He might've been a tall six-year-old. I don't know. But this but this kid, he had on a blue shirt. My God, I'm getting worked up thinking about it. He had a blue shirt on. And this little boy, I'm sitting there and I'm just chilling, you know, I'm keeping that same energy I had. Like, oh, Dizzy's dope. Like, I'm about this, right? I see this little kid going the line. I'm like, oh, okay. Where's mom at? That's weird. Does that same little stop playing with me and I'm starting to like it's starting to rise like in my spirit like I'm like the anger is like just just getting higher again mind you I've yet to move 10 feet this entire time I'm literally like this this the line entrance 10 minutes 20 minutes the entire way. I may be, I may be 10 yards into the thing. I got five hallways and three corners to go until I get to the line, an hour wait. And this little boy has ran past me three times. So I'm starting to get a little verbal with my mom and dad. I'm like, look, this little boy come running through here one more time. I'm about to see what's up. Cause I'm looking at my line like, Hey, y'all got a problem with the line. What's going on? Someone pass out up there. Like you need some help. I'll come to the front and help. I'll come up there. This little boy runs by me again six times. Six times. On the on the sixth time, I said, "Uh uh-uh, uh uh uh." In Jesus' name, I grabbed him. I said, "Come here, little boy." I said, "What's what's going on here? What's 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 going on?" He, he, he said, he, "He looked me in my eyes." I was really surprised. He looked me in my eyes when I just grabbed this child, and there's, I don't know where his parents were. <laughs> looked me in my eyes and said, "I have a fast pass." Never in my life, never in my life have I been so frustrated. It took all of my grown man not to cry in that moment. I had to go down deep into like the pits of my soul and be like, you better not cry, you better not cry, you better not cry. Because I was mad, yo. Like, I'm like in the line. Like, I'm doing the thing the right way. Like, I'm doing the thing. Okay, I'm being nice about it. I'm like in trying to enjoy the moment. I'm trying to be present with my family. Like I'm trying to like do the waiting thing, right? But this little boy is not getting the memo with me. Okay. He's just moving past me and I'm, 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 frustrated because he's moving at a pace that I wish I was moving at. He's starting to do some things like ride this ride that I've been trying to do for a long time of 10 yards. Okay. I'm getting frustrated because I feel stuck. In this little line, I feel stuck in this line. And I think that that's just a picture of what life can look like when you're in a season of waiting. Where no matter what you're doing, no matter what you're thinking, no matter what what positivity you're bringing, no matter who you're with, no matter how you do it, it just feels like you're stuck in the same place and you're looking around and you're seeing people that maybe don't even know anything about Disney, have never seen a Disney original movie, have never seen the movie Brink, some of you. Uh have no idea what this is, okay? They, they don't know anything about that. But they're moving faster than I am. You ever seen that where, where that one person gets in that relationship when you've been trying to remain pure, you trying to do the right thing and date the right person, but this one person who's a little bit more messy than you always got a boyfriend and you're like, okay, God, like, where are you at? Where my man at? Some women in this audience like, he, he preaching, he preaching right now. Well, you're wondering like, God, like, Hey man, like I thought we had a deal here, bro. Like I was going to do this and you were going to like show up for me that this line thing was going to go faster than what it's been going. And I think that we can get so stuck in that place that we forget how to operate and how to navigate that season of waiting the right way. And some of you, it's not waiting for a new thing. It's not waiting for a new job, for that right person, for that career for nursing school. Talk about it in Jesus name. It's it's not that it's actually something a little bit deeper than that. It's, it's this constant thing that you wake up to every morning. It's the fear that you carry with you throughout the day. It's that anxiety that is ever present on the, like on the center of your chest that you just kind of like are freaking out, like trying to hold it together every day. And you're wondering, God, is this ever going to go away? This habit that you can't seem to kick, that is just always present. You've been trying and trying and trying to get rid of it, but it's always still there. You feel stuck. And that's what I wanna talk about tonight. I wanna to talk about how we're how we gonna work our weight. How we're gonna work that season where we're waiting for God to show up and move in our life. How do we work our weight? Touch your neighbor again and say, Work your weight. Am I preaching yet? Let me know. Okay, so, so here's this thing about waiting, though, that, that is actually super important. It's actually pretty key. A lot of us in this room, the reason why we have such difficulty with our weight is because we believe some things about our weight. And I believe that if we have some of those feelings and those thoughts being reined in and made right, maybe our weight would look a little bit differently. Because if we are going to be people who work our weight, we need to understand why we wait if we're going to be people who work our weight, we need to understand from a God's eye view, from God's perspective, why we wait. Okay. So if you will, look at me at verse one, right back into the story. The reason why I chose this text exactly is because this situation is a guy, he's a man born blind. This is the only thing he's ever known every day. Woke up blind. Couldn't see nothing. That's his life. Some of you, you can resonate with that. You wake up with the same thing every day. The season of waiting is very prolonged. It's long. We don't know how old he is, but it's an extended amount of time. So he knows a little bit about waiting, right? So verse one, Jesus, he's walking by with his disciples and he sees this man blind from birth. His disciples, they ask him a question. They say, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? See, the disciples, they have a misconception about waiting. They think that that there's something that this man did or his family did to deserve the thing, the circumstance, the situation that he finds himself in. And that might not resonate with you talking about him, but it might be talking about you. Some of you in here have experienced things in your life that feel like you're stuck and you can't get out of, and some of it's deep. And it's because you've had wounds and things happen to you that you've even questioned, God, have I done something wrong to deserve this? What have I done to deserve this, God? And right now, I want to tell you, I want to just deal with that misconception right now. There are some things in your life that have happened to you that are not your fault. They have nothing to do with what you've done this 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 karma idea that you do good things and you get good things it's not god's way of, of ruling this universe that's not the way that it works there is a thing called cause and effect. Don't believe me? Drop your phone on the concrete. Okay, I'm not talking about that. There, there are decisions and things that we make that have consequences. But there are some things that we do not have anything to do with that happen to us. And I want to tell you right now that God is not an angry bully on an anthill trying to use a magnifying glass to to, to put fire in your life. That's not God. That's not who He is. Some of you that you've seen God that way—that everything bad has happened in your life is because God isn't actually for you. That God doesn't have a plan for you, doesn't have good things for you. That that your experience has painted God a certain way. And I need, like, right now, if you don't walk away with anything else tonight, I want you to have a different concept, like, concept and, and paradigm of what God is actually like, because that's not God. It's not God. The way, the way that we've seen it, the, the whole like, okay, well, I did this, so then God's gonna, you know. There's something wrong with me because I, that's not the way that the world works. It's not the way that God works, okay? So where do I get that from? Well, one, Jesus himself and his answer answers that. But before I get into that, I, I, I want to get into this idea. Uh, let me, can, can I, can I pre- t- like teach a little bit before I like, preach a little bit? Sorry, my mouth's, get, my mouth's getting a little dry. That's why my mouth, I'm stuttering a little bit. But that's going to be a good line. So, you know, this, this whole idea of God, like, well, what is this idea of? Cause I, I know y'all probably heard this before that God, God is in control. God has a plan. God, you know, is moving things. You you've heard that before. Yeah. And then there's this other question of like, okay, well, if God's got this all in control, then like, what's my like responsibility, like what's my like duty in this? Am I like supposed to like do something or like, do I like just sit back and wait on it to happen? Like if God has a plan, then he's just going to work it out without me. Right. You see, like those those two ideas are like such in conflict. It's like, well, if God's sovereign and He holds the world in His hands, He control over everything, then that means that everything that happens is because He wants it to happen, right? Wrong. There's this weird paradigm with God where God is completely in control and completely sovereign over every event, everything that's happened, because He's God. And there's this other super super weird thing that God has given human beings responsibility. He has given them uh, these choices and actions that he's willingly given them. Yet, how how like it's complete paradox. And if you can understand this, please uh, write a book about it. Be God, because that's the only one who can really understand it. How these two complete opposite ideas can live in tension with one another—that God is completely in control, yet I'm completely responsible. Does that make sense? Like that your actions are, are your actions not, God's not using you as a puppet. Does that make sense? Do we understand that? Okay, well, this is what I want to get to from that. I want to say that even though you have this responsibility, that still doesn't stop God from moving in this circumstance. He's, anything that is underneath the control of God is within the purpose of God. Whether or not he made it happen or you made it happen, or somebody did that to you, something happened there, God can his word says, turn what is evil back into good. How? Because anything underneath his control is within his purpose. You hear me over here? Let me give you a, let me give you a, for instance, in, a story in the story in the in the Bible, in the very first book of the Bible, in the book of Genesis, there's this guy named Joseph. He has this beautiful coat. I don't know if y'all know, seen the movie, any of that stuff. But Joseph, a uh, long story short, he is this favorite son of this father, and he has these 12 brothers. And these, these brothers, they, he has these 11 brothers, excuse me, he is the 12th brother. These 11 brothers, they, they sell this younger brother, Joseph, into slavery. And from, he goes from slavery and into prison. So he's basically a slave for, and a prisoner for over about 20, a span of 20 years. He went from, from life going great to life being really terrible for something that he didn't do. Then, over a course of events, Joseph moves from slave to prisoner to second-in-command underneath Pharaoh. If you know Pharaoh's Egypt, let my people go, any of that. All that stuff. Second underneath Pharaoh. And what happens is there's a famine that hits the land, and his brothers actually come to him, not knowing that it's him, in disguise, asking for food. He tells them yes, but he wants his younger brother to come back, so they have to go back home to their father and then come back again. And that second time they come back he actually reveals himself to his brothers and said, Hey, it's me, Joseph, the brother that you sold into slavery. And these brothers come face to face with this brother and and they're terrified. They're, they're thinking he's going to kill us because of what we did to him, all of that. And Joseph's response makes everything make sense with this whole paradigm that I'm talking about. He said, what you meant for evil, God meant for good. So that even the evil actions of people, the worst actions that people make, can still work within the purpose of God. That ought to inform something in your weight. That ought to tell you something on Monday. That no matter where you find yourself in, no matter how bad it is, no matter how bad it might seem, God still has purpose in it. Romans 8 says that God works all things for good according to his purpose. Not some things... All things, every bad moment of your life, purpose—he's going to work it for good. That's a promise. That's a promise. Second is is in Ephesians, Ephesians two ten. It says that before the foundations, there you are, you are, you are created in Christ Jesus. You are His His workmanship, His masterpiece. That He is drawing and painting your life together and making you this work of art. And it says that that you are his masterpiece created in Christ Jesus for good works, that you are actually made for good works to walk in. And the thing about those works is he's prepared them beforehand in front of you. So these good works that he's actually made and designed and gifted you for, no matter how messed up and how many mistakes you've made, he's already put them in front of you. So that means they're already there. You're going to run into them. So that means that no matter where you find yourself in your life, God has purpose for you right then and there. No matter how hard the season is, no matter how long the wait is, God's placed you on purpose. There's a story in in the book of Acts that I really, really love. It's actually one of my favorite ones in there. It's this this story of these two men, Paul and Silas. If you know anything about Paul, he wrote most of this New Testament. Um, But Paul and Silas, they're going to prayer one day, and this girl comes up behind him, and she has uh, basically this, this unclean spirit that helps her fortune tell. It's a weird thing. Anyway, but... She's bugging them day after day after day. And Paul basically gets tired of it. And he says, hey, whatever that is that's in you, get out. And then she loses her ability to whatever. And the people get mad. So I'm paraphrasing. This is the BSV, the Blake Standard Version, okay? (laughs) And so these people, they get upset about that action. And what happens is is that Paul and Silas find themselves in a situation that they never even would have dreamed of. Over a course of events, they end up being drug into the center of town, stripped of their clothes, beaten by the people of that city, and flogged. Don't mean to be flogged. They are beaten with whips. They are, they are, they are, they are naked and, and just uh, completely uh, just embarrassed, all the things. And then pain was given to them, essentially. just Just the worst beating. It says, and after many blows, they got put in prison, shackled with chains. So if you can imagine going about your day, walking with Jesus, planting churches, doing the thing he made you to do, and then that happens. You find yourself in a place, in a circumstance you never would have dreamed of. And it says that, that at the midnight hour, just around midnight, that night when they are in prison, these two men, in that season of waiting, in that moment of waiting, in that place that they never thought they'd be, that circumstance that they never thought they'd, that they'd see their way out of, these men, what do they do? They sing praises to God. They worship in the middle of that prison, chains and all. And what happens right after that is really actually crazy. It says an earthquake happens. It splits the prison open and the chains fall off of every prisoner. And there is this this jailer that comes out and he's about to kill himself because if they escape, it's at the cost of his life. But Paul and Silas, they say, hey, don't hurt yourself. We're all still here. And the reason why I'm even bringing that story up is because Paul and Silas knew something about their weight. They knew something about the situation that they found themselves in, that no matter where they are, they don't need to necessarily know why they're there to know what to do when they're there, that they can worship in a hard place because they know that God doesn't waste the weight, that your weight is not wasted, that not a moment of your pain has been thrown away. God's too creative and he's too good to let any of that go by. Every moment of your life has been counted. Every moment of your life's been numbered and God's seen all of it, every bit of it. And he wants to use every piece of your life, every good day, every bad day. There's purpose in it. And I think if we would let that inform our wait, we would look very differently in how we live our life. That in that season of waiting where we're looking at someone else's life, we can realize God's got me in a waiting season right now for a purpose. And little did they know that the reason that they found themselves in prison is not for them, but actually for that Roman or that, uh, Philippian jailer, that guy that was about to kill himself when they said that they were there, he came to them and he went on his knees and he said, what must I do to be saved? You don't even know who your weight's for. You think it's for you. You have no idea who's on the other side of your weight. You have no idea what God wants to do in your life on the other side of your weight. Some of you are wondering why you didn't get in nursing school this year or why you didn't get your p- test passed, or why you're not in college or why you're not in that relationship anymore or why this and this and this and this, whatever it is. The reason why it is, is maybe God's got somebody on the side of that thing yeah. that maybe it's going to take you missing your moment for someone else to have theirs. Yeah. Yeah. This thing's bigger than you. Yeah. This thing's bigger than you. God works all things for good. His plan for this whole thing is to unite the world back to himself. He's too creative to do it your way. You're not big enough. Your ideas aren't good enough. They might be good, but they're not his. He's got better in store for you than what you think. Some of you, if God were to give you what you want, you'd be mad at him for it. You'd be mad at him for it. Actually, you'd shortchange yourself. God got so much more for you, but you gotta work your weight. You gotta work your weight. You gotta worship in your weight. That's the real thing. Worship in your weight. That's what you should do. Let me move on. Let me get more practical. Let me get practical for y'all. I did the teaching bit. Now I want to like for real get in your business. Is that okay? Don't worry. I'm talking about myself too. So it's okay. My second point. My second point tonight is if we're going to be people who work our weight, then we need people who walk our word. If you're going to work your weight, you need to walk your word. Write that down somewhere. If you're going to work your weight, walk your word. You know, this, this story is so interesting to me. Jesus, after he has this, you know, conversation with the disciples, he walks over to this man. And, and this miracle is actually different than any other miracle that Jesus has done ever. If you noticed, there is no conversation that's happened between him and this man. Nothing he doesn't say a word to him. He walks up, he spits on the ground. He puts mud in this man's eyes. This guy doesn't say anything about it. Crazy. First off, I'm like, uh, that's rude. Um, <laughs> second is that, 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 that this guy has no, he doesn't even say anything about wanting to be healed. That's different. Every single time Jesus heals somebody is because they came to him and said, Hey, Jesus, heal me. And Jesus is like, yeah, your faith has made you well, right? That's all that happened. The lady with the issue of blood and Mark, she walks up behind him and touches the hem of his garment because she believed right. This dude does not go looking for Jesus at all. That's different. He doesn't say anything to Jesus at all. That's different. Jesus spits in the ground, rubs dirt in his eyes, and then tells him to go wash it off. And I, I don't know about you, but that just seems so odd to me. And whenever something feels odd in this book, I guarantee you that there is something that that author is trying to do with what he's saying what I think what he's trying to do is I know a lot of interpreters and commentators and, you know, scholars, theologians have a lot of thoughts about the significance of spit and mud and in his eyes and, and all of that. But you know what I think the very first thing that came to my mind, the thing that resonated in my heart was this just feels like Jesus is just adding insult to injury, injury, that this guy is probably sitting there thinking, really, bro? like I'm already blind. Like I'm already blind. This too. Great. Thought I was having a great week already. that I couldn't see. And I even got out here. Now I got to go figure out to go to this pool that I have no idea where it is. Cause I've never seen it. And I got spit in my face and mud in my eyes. Now my, if I'm married, my wife's going to look at me like, hello, where have you been all week? You know what I mean? Like it's not ideal. This is, this is insult to injury. This is an inconvenience that Jesus has done for him. Notice this too. Jesus didn't promise anything that was going to happen when he did it. He didn't say, hey man, you're going to have your sight right after this. He doesn't say anything. He just tells him to go wash. And isn't that just like God? God will start to introduce some things into your life that feel like inconveniences. Why does he do that? I think sometimes we can become so used to being blind that it takes mud in our eyes to go wash it off. Let me put it this way. If there's no mud, there's no wash. I think that some of you right now have had things come up in your life that feel really big. They feel really big. And what I would guess is is that that's not even the issue that God wants to deal with. That's just the mud he's put in your eyes. Because God doesn't just care about the mud, he cares about the sight. Some of you have had relationships fail this week, this month, this year, and you're wondering how you're ever going to pull the pieces back together. You've had a dream crush. You've had a, a, a thing that you thought was going to happen fall apart. You've had thing after thing after thing hit you. And it felt like Alexander's horrible, no good, very bad day. If you know anything about that. Yeah. It's felt like that. My thought is maybe that that's just not bad circumstance. Maybe that's God trying to get your attention to say, hey, I want to deal with something deeper than that. I want to deal with something behind that. I want to deal with the actual broken root that's inside of you that's keeping you from having that life that I really want for you that thing that you just can't let go of. Maybe I'm trying to steal this, this control that you've taken for your life. I want to take it back for you. And I'll actually want to direct your life. Maybe that's what God wants to do for you. Maybe God will introduce a substance into your life that feels inconvenient so that he can actually heal you. But we have to be people who are willing and open to receive the mud so that we can get our sight. You know, I love, I love the, the thing he says. He says, go wash in the pool called scent. To me, I think that's pretty clear. Jesus is telling him, you can't stay here. The whole pool is called scent. Like it's the, the pool's called go, go wash in scent. Those are movement words. Jesus saying, Hey bro, you can't stay here. You got to get moving. Why? Because faith necessitates movement. That if you're going to walk in faith, you can't sit in faith. you got to walk in faith. you got to walk on a word. you got to walk on a word. And I believe that sometimes God's going to speak a word to you that's going to feel silly. You want me to go do what? I'm blind, bro. What you want me to? All the way down to the pool? What happens when I get in the pool? I don't know how to swim. You mean a doggy paddle? Foot? Like, I don't know what you want from me. Sometimes God's going to ask you to do silly things. It's going to feel silly. It's going to feel so silly, but there's healing on the other side of it. There's healing on the other side of it, but you got to be willing to walk that word, even if there's not a promise attached to it. Here's the thing that, 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 that I really, 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 really want you to hear tonight. If you don't hear anything else, I know I've been kind of a lot. The one thing I really want you to hear tonight is, is from this story, this man, walked on a word, not on a promise. He didn't walk on a guarantee, he didn't walk on a 30-day return policy. He didn't walk on a, a Bezos's, you know, whatever for Amazon. None of that. Like he didn't have any of that from him. Jesus said, "Go do this." And he walked on it. I think that we'll follow Jesus if This dude followed Jesus with no if. Jesus, I'll follow you if you'll make this happen for me. Jesus, I'll follow you if that if husband on the other side of this, if my wife's on the other, I'll follow you, Jesus. I'll follow you twice. Like i was like, I'll follow you if that career is there. I'll follow you if you if I, if I, this thing that's on me can leave, I'll follow you. We have these little things that we say, Hey, Jesus, if you do this for me, then I'll do that for you. And what I want to tell you tonight is that's not faith. That's sight. That's sight. If you knew that there's something on the other side of it, you'd walk it. eat. You see it right there. There it is. But if you want to walk when you don't know what's on the other side of it, you want to walk blind. That's faith. Faith is taking a step when you don't see the next step. Yeah. Faith is taking a step saying, God, I'm going to trust you at your word. Even if you don't do anything else, the rest of my life, if I got to carry this, the rest of my life, if I have to deal with this, the rest of my life, I'm going to do whatever you say. Cause your way is better than my way. Yeah, that's, that's faith. If we're going to be people who work our weight, we've got to be people who walk, walk our word. You know, the, the, oh, God, I just, this part, I have this, I was trying to write this out cause it feels like my second point is actually eight points. But, I, but I think, I think that this is actually super, super important. Also, it would seem pretty crazy for this guy to be able to just make this move, this walk off this one conversation. Imagine, you are a blind, just imagine yourself as blind, right? If some random person were to walk up on to you, spit on the ground, put in your eyes and tell you to go wash it off. Would you go do that? Probably not. I'm probably going to go to the nearest thing and just get it off. Like, first off, I probably wouldn't let you spit in my face anyway. That's just not going to happen. Even if I am blind, I'm going to be swinging on you blind, like anyway. <laughs> you know, but I think, I think the thing that's funny and that's so great about the story is the particular ailment that this guy has. It's not like a normal ailment. Like he doesn't have a, like a lame leg. He's not like, you know, has leprosy, like none of that. He's blind. Why is that important? Because this man can only go by what he hears. I don't know if y'all have read the word, but it says faith comes by hearing the word. Yeah. This man had only one option to go off of what he hear. He hears. This is why this is important. I'm gonna get to it. You're like, okay, duh, he's blind. That's how he works. I've seen daredevil. I get it. Okay. Some of y'all had no idea what I'm talking about, but here's the key. Here's the key to the whole thing. Right after this guy comes back from this wash and he has his sight, he goes back to his neighbors, right? In verse eight, it says his neighbors and those who formerly had seen him as a beggar said, isn't this the man who sat begging? Some said he's the one. No, others were saying, but he looks like him. He kept saying, I'm the one. Therefore, they asked him, then how were your eyes opened? And he answered them. And he said, the man called Jesus made mud, spread it on my eyes and told me, go to Siloam and wash. So when I went and washed, I received my sight. If you read that too fast, you missed it. That's the thing about this word. If you read too fast, you're going to miss it. The key here is this. It's his answer to their thing. He says, verse 11, the man called Jesus made mud. You still don't get it. In Greek, this word called is actually a participle. and You have no, no idea what that is. I'm not going to explain it to you. Cool. A participle essentially is functioning as the person that they called Jesus. He heard other people talking about Jesus. Let me paint a picture for you. This blind man who would go to the same spot every single day and he would go beg for money, beg for the, to, to, to find things for him to continue living his life. He's going to the only place he knows where to go to get the only thing he knows how to do to get the life that he has for himself. Every day, same place, same place, same place. Can't do anything but that. And over the course of, of, of the book of John, we see that right before this, Jesus is actually in Jerusalem for an extended amount of time, and he actually caused quite a ruckus. Essentially, Jesus comes in and he tells him, I'm the light of the world, that I, I'm this living water. He makes some claims about himself, and he's got the whole city talking. This man, Jesus, we don't know how to feel about him. He does these miracles and he heals people, but he's kind of out there can you imagine being this man sitting in the place you only know how to sit and you begin to hear a story about a man called Jesus who healed people like you, who heard a story about a woman with the issue of blood for 12 years that she just in faith reached out to Jesus and got healed. I wonder what it would have been like for him to know that there was a man who could heal him and give him his sight back in that city. You wonder what that must have felt like being able to know that that possibility was out there, but have no way of making it happen for himself. How could he? He doesn't know what he looks like. He's blind. He can't find Jesus himself. Jesus not walking past him every day. I'll tell you that even in this story right here, the disciples don't even call Jesus by his name. They call him Rabbi. So how does he even know that it's Jesus? I don't think he does. I think he believes. He, I think he believes that maybe because I guarantee you this, nobody else had ever done something like that to him. Nobody else in all of his time around him has ever really probably even gave him a second look. Most of them probably having had seven words said to him, go wash in the pool of Siloam, never even said that to him. This man sat there and he, 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 he got spit put in his eyes, and mud put in his eyes, and he got told to go wash. And the reason that he went to go wash is not because he thought that Jesus made him a promise. It's that maybe, maybe this Jesus that I've been hearing about, maybe this Jesus that found me, maybe this Jesus, this man called Jesus can give me my sight like he did to them. Maybe if I just walk in faith and if I make my way down to this pool, maybe he'll give me my sight. He moved on a maybe. I can imagine just seeing him walking as he's walking down the temple steps. And if you know anything about Jerusalem, it's a hill straight down. This man blind would have had to like walk, and I guarantee he would have fallen, probably more times than once. He got he kept getting up, and he kept he kept moving and working his way down to that pool, not on a promise, but on a maybe. Maybe God, you still give people like me second chances. Maybe God, there is a future for me that I can't even conceive of myself. You know what I love about this story is that it was said that he was a man born blind. He had no concept of what he was about to step into. He had no idea of what sight would be like. He had no idea what it would look like to see a person for the first time. He had no idea what it would be like. I'm here to tell you right now that some of you in this room right now, God has a life for you that you can't even conceive of. You don't even have a box to put it in. Some of you in this room have never seen a healthy relationship in your life. Some of you in this room have never seen a family that lives and loves, to get, like, loves each other. You've only seen dysfunction your entire life. Some of you have never been able to trust anybody because somebody hurt you. Some of you have lived in a place that you've never even thought could be something better. And I'm here to tell you right now that God has better for you, but you've got to walk on a word. You've got to walk on a maybe. You've got to take it in faith and say, all right, God. I believe it can happen because you said it can happen. I'm not just going to trust the word. I'm going to trust the one who said it. You know, I was, I was thinking about how I was going to, how I was going to finish the sermon and I got all the way up to the second point and that's where it ended. And literally my notes, there aren't any more. Um, and I was thinking in the back earlier, like, God, how do you want me to finish this thing? I have, I have no idea. And I think that's where I get the most nervous is because most of the sermons I preach are never finished. And I think the last one is the last point of how you're going to work your weight. If we want to be people who work our weight, we have to be people that are able to speak to our weight. And not only that, we have to be people who remember where we came from. This story, this man, he he comes back with sight and he tells these people, it's me, I'm the one, I'm the one, I'm the one, I'm the one that was blind. I think that some of you in here, it would be a great disservice to your life. If you made it through this waiting season that you're presently in thinking that that was the last time you were ever going to wait. This whole life that we live is us waiting. And here's the thing. That's the sad truth. You're going to graduate from college and you're going to get a job and you're going to get married. Most of you, which is, I mean, if you want to be married, it's, it's, it's capable. There's enough people on the planet. You just might have to be a little less picky. Um, that's a word for me. Um, uh, <laughs> sorry, mom. <laughs> She's in the back, which is funny. Uh, you're going to get married. You're going to have kids. You're going to have a career. All that stuff's going to happen. Don't get to the end of your life wishing that you would have waited differently because each and every one of us were waiting for Jesus to come back. We're waiting for him to come back. We're waiting for him to set all things right. There's gonna be some things in your life that don't get healed completely. But the reason why it is because there's still work to do. There's still work in your life. There's still purpose in your life that God is using your ailments and your brokenness to bring healing to other people. The reason why I said you need to speak to your weight is because I, you know, I was, I was writing on my, my blackboard in my office this sermon, I'm writing down just the story of this blind guy that Jesus came and he found. And I remembered that this isn't his story, this is my story. That I've lived my life, so much of my life, blind to the things of God, blind to the person of Jesus, blind to what he wants to do in my life. And I went to the broken things that I thought were going to give me life. And I really hoped and I believed maybe when I heard about this Jesus that he would give people like me second chances. And that same Jesus came and he found me. And he gave me a purpose and he gave me a life. He gave me a platform to talk about him being faithful. And sometimes I find myself in my life and and I get to a place where I feel like, God, I'm ready for the next thing. God, I'm ready for something bigger than this. I'm ready to be out of my hometown. I'm ready to be, have a wife and kids and all that. I have a little nephew that I love on the planet, but I'm just thinking like, when am I, is that going to happen for me? And I forget in that moment that I, that I should speak to that weight and say, Blake, there's purpose for you here. There's life for you here. I've put things in front of you here. Don't waste this time that I've given you. Make the most of it. Work that weight. And I'm not talking W-A-I-T. I'm talking weight. Work that weight. Some of us have weight that we are designed to carry in our life. We're The burdens that we have to carry so that other people can walk free from them. That lightness that we're talking about isn't just that. It's this. We get to pick other people's burdens up. And right now, in your weight, you have an opportunity to work that weight and help lift burdens off people. But if you're too caught up being mad about being in line, you're never going to help people carry theirs. You're never going to be able to be effective in the thing that God puts you in. The reason you are where you are, the reason where your feet are where they're planted is because God's got something for you there. God's got a person on the other side of that thing. God's got healing for you on some deep things on the inside that he wants to bring out because he wants you to be healthy whole. He wants that, that, that burden that you're carrying to be light on your shoulders, right? But we gotta be people who walk our word. We gotta be people who walk, work our weight. We have to be people that understand why we wait. And in the meantime, we gotta be people that can worship even in the hard times. So as John and Kayla come up, I just want to kind of lead you in a moment where you can just come face to face with Jesus and just say, God, I've, I know I've been carrying some things that you want that you actually want to use, and not just use, that you actually want to heal in my life. That you have purpose for me presently, that you have intention in my life where I am right now. in the influence that you've given me, that he's given you, He's got things for you. And right now he wants to deal with that thing inside of you that resents being in this season. And so right now, I'm just gonna ask you three questions. I want you to imagine that you're looking Jesus face to face for the first time, like as if you were the blind man finally getting your sight. And I want you to imagine Jesus asking you three things. The first is Jesus wants to ask you, how do you see him? He wants to deal with how you see him. Have you had a bad view of what Jesus is like? Has your experience been clouded by your, the way you grew up or any of those things? And God's asking you, will you let go of that tonight? Will you pick up something else? Will you stop that, that, that thought process? And the second is, what are some things that he's asking me to pick up tonight? What's the thing he's asking you to start? God, what are you asking me to stop? Second is, what are you asking me to start? And the last is, God, what are you asking me to believe? What are you asking me to start? What are you asking me to stop? And what are you asking me? to believe